everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, where we hit on all of the latest and greatest news of the week for both Bayern Munich and Germany. And I'll tell you right off the bat, we are going to flip the format a little bit today because we had a huge announcement with the German national team's World Cup squad being announced. So we're going to blow out the five things that we learned this week, and we'll get back to that next weekend, of course. But we will... Start right there, jump right into it. There is a ton to talk about, so why not just dive right in? And of course, if you were on BFW this morning, like you always should be, I'm recording this on a Thursday afternoon, or if you were on social media, like you probably should not be, uh, <laughs> uh, you probably saw that Germany announced that their World Cup squad, and there were quite a few controversial selections, of course, the field was thinned out a little bit by some really unfortunate injuries. And let's let's start there because I think it's very important to cover what Hansi Flick was working with and why maybe he made some of the decisions that he did. Uh, let's start with those injuries. Uh, of course, Timo Werner, very unfortunate. I think Werner was going to have a starring role for Germany during this World Cup, uh, maybe to the chagrin of some of you out there. But I do think uh, Flick had plans for Werner. I think he had good ideas for how he wanted to use Timo Werner. And I think given the collective speed and skill that would have been in that attack surrounding Werner, I think he would have been tailor-made to take advantage of it in this World Cup. Uh, It's very unfortunate. I know as a player, he's probably devastated. I think Hansi Flick is a little disappointed because I think he really did have plans to make Werner that focal point and give him the opportunity to take advantage of everything that was around him and having that good of a supporting cast. So uh, Timo Werner, of course, will miss. Uh, One of the surprise injuries that came up, of course, was Wolfsburg's uh, Lucas Nemecha, who, again, probably was not going to play a starring role in, in this World Cup, but was absolutely going to be considered one of the target man type strikers that Flick could bring in if his team was looking for a header goal or if they were behind and needed to change the look of things. Nemecha, in my mind, uh, was not going to be a key player on this squad, uh, but he would have fulfilled a role. So, uh, you know, while you could debate, you know, all day about whether he should be in or whether he should be out. He did have some kind of role under Hansi Flick. And I do think Flick, uh, while there wouldn't have been a starting position and probably not much playing time overall, uh, it would have been nice to have that option. Of course, another huge injury for Germany. And this one is uh, maybe not quite on the level of Werner for what, in terms of what kind of uh, starting role or impact he might've had, but Marco Royce of Borussia Dortmund, Uh, just this guy has incredibly bad luck. Um, two of the last three world cup cycles, he will have missed with an injury. Just very, very unfortunate for him because at his best Royce is a creative dynamic talent who can do so much. And I believe he's the type of player who can make everyone around him better because he's very unselfish. He does a lot of things to create offense for others and I do think just his skill level alone gives defenses a reason to to play with some caution. I think the problem with Royce is 
at least in the German national team, he's not always been the most popular player, especially with the Bayern boys. Uh, and I don't think it has much to do with the, the Dortmund Bayern rivalry as much as, you know, we've seen those stories in the past, whether it's attitude or mindset or whatever, there's just some kind of belief or some kind of cloud over top of Royce that uh, a lot of people just don't think he's built to win uh, in that type of environment. But regardless of how you feel about that, regardless of whether that's true, Losing Royce is, is a very big loss in, in my eyes because I think he could have fulfilled a key role, maybe as a starter, uh, definitely as an impact sub. He he had the capability to shift out, play wing, to play as a central attacking midfielder. I mean, I, I could even envision him playing a little bit of the nine, depending on how this how Hansi Flick was going to have this squad run. Uh, there are so many things that he can do. And while he wouldn't be a a traditional number nine, it's certainly a role he could play depending on how Flick wants to approach this. So uh, it's very disappointing. And, you know, this, of course, being a Bayern Munich website, you would think it's weird to show some kind of sympathy for a Borussia Dortmund player, but how could you not feel for Royce? Um, You know, whether you'd like him as a player personally or, or you just, um, you know, you're anti anything Borussia Dortmund, you have to say that this guy has just been dealt an incredibly bad hand when it comes to luck and when it comes to injuries. And, you know, he deserves much better in my eyes. And uh, I would have really liked to have seen him play on this World Cup squad. And uh, to be honest, it's, it's just, again, it's very disappointing. Um, but those were the key injuries that I think affected flexibility in terms of picking the squad. And I think that those three injuries probably played some kind of role. So who did make the squad? All right, well, we'll jump right into that. At goalkeeper, Manuel Neuer, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, and Kevin Trapp. I don't think you could really uh, argue too much with that. I know Bernd Leno was uh, under consideration at one point. He, of course, was the the man who was holding down the third goalkeeper role for such a long time, but Trapp has been extremely good the past couple of seasons. Uh, and honestly, he's not going to play anyway, but it, I think it was a dirt deserved selection there. Uh, in the defense, we see Armel Belakutchup, who was, uh, in my mind, uh, one of those selections you could question. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. Tyus Ginter, Christian Gunter, Tilo Kerrer, Lucas Klosterman, David Rahm, Antonio Rudiger, Nico Schlatterbeck, and Nicholas Sula. In the midfield and attack, we see Kareem Adiemi, Julian Brandt, Nicholas Fulkrug, Serge Gnabry, Leon Goretzka, Mario Gutza, the 2014 hero. We will get into him in a little bit. Ilkay Gundogan, Kai Havertz, Jonas Hoffman, Yashua Kimmich, Yusafa Mukoko, uh, the BVB man who was a little bit of a surprise. At 17 years old, he will absolutely... Uh, be looking up at some bright lights in this competition. Jamal Musiala, Thomas Muller, and Leroy Sané. So obviously hearing that list, maybe even seeing seeing it earlier today, you probably have your own opinions, but I'm going to give you mine and we'll get right to it. I already talked through the goalkeepers. I don't think there's really too much of a need to dive into that. Manuel Neuer is obviously the starter. And I think that if he is healthy and he's fully recovered from that, um, shoulder injury uh he he will be unquestioned and be able to play the entire time mark andre ter stegen however is a really nice backup to have and like we talked about kevin trap uh really 
is one of those players who I think earned his way there and could have uh, absolutely in other countries been in contention for a starter, but unfortunately, uh, you know, for him, he's stuck behind two really, really good goalkeepers. Uh, as for the defensive spots, when we look at the defense here, you notice one major omission and that is Matt's Hummels. Hummels, uh, to me, should be on this team. And I'll explain to you why. Uh, with Hummels, there's that veteran leadership, that veteran presence, someone on the back line who has done it before and been a key player in doing it before. It's very disappointing to me that he was not selected for this because I feel like he is healthier than he has been in recent years. He's been in great form. And I think he could have, while not maybe not as a starter, he could have been that steady presence that could be keeping people calm on the bench. He could be someone that's brought in who you would know would give you a dependable performance. Uh, to me, I think that was a missing link for Hansi Flick in his defense. And I thought that I really did think Flick was going to choose Hummels, but he did not. And to me, in my mind, it probably came down to Armel Belakotchamp and and Hummels. And with Belakotchamp, I think, and I've probably pronounced his name four different ways so far in this show, but you have to bear with me. It's my Delco accent and way of speaking slipping through. Uh, I think the the pie in the sky view for Flick and his staff in, in, in picking Belakotchamp was that you want to give a young kid this experience. You want to have him ready for the next cycle, not necessarily this one, which is all well and good. And I think that there's some merit to that. But I also feel like you have to win this cycle. I feel like Germany is in a position where they actually, actually could be a major contender for this. France is down. England is all over the place. Brazil is Brazil, immense talent, but who knows how they're going to show up. I mean, to me the world cup is there for the taking in this cycle. So I would have preferred the all in approach, the all in let's go for it and get it done approach rather than perhaps giving some younger players this cycle just to get the experience. Um, but even with Bella Kotchap as being probably that one for one sub out, um, you know, you could, you could argue that Matthias Ginter is, is a player who, might not have needed to be on the squad. Now, Ginter does give the flexibility to play right back and center back. Um, as of right now, it looks like Nicholas Sula could be the starting right back, which is, uh, to me, it's a great idea. If you want to get your best team on the field, I think it, your best 11 probably at this stage does include Antonio Rudiger, Nico Schlotterbeck, and Nicholas Sula. How do you do that without playing a back three? Well, you make Sula the right back, and I think you'll get a pretty good performance out of him doing so because – while Sula might not want to play right back on a permanent basis for his club team for a month in the World Cup with a chance to actually win it, I think Sula would suck it up and do his best at that position. Uh, and, you know, when when you look at that and you look at trying to get your best 11, I think it makes sense that you would take Sula at right back over players like Tilo Kerrer or Lucas Klosterman or Matthias Ginter. Um, at left back, of course, you have Christian Gunter. Um Let's be honest. I don't know what you do with that afterwards. You also have David Rom. Uh, I like Rom a lot. I think he's really a dynamic young player. Um, when Flick opted not to bring in Robin Guzzins, another left back who I'm sure a lot of people were shocked about uh, not being selected. I think that, uh, you know, it makes sense that you have Rom there, you have Gunter, but Guzzins, I think, 
did so much in the Euros and opened so many eyes that I think that people just assumed he would be selected, even though he was coming off of, of a major knee injury. Um, and granted, he's he's been healthy now for a bit and he's worked his way back, but he has not been in the best form for Inter Milan. And, and I, I don't think that Flick made a mistake with omitting Guzzins. I think that between Rom and Gunter, I think he's got the mix of what he needs. Rom, of course, is more of that bomb forward being offensive threat, while Gunter is, I would say, more of a traditional defensive-minded outside back who can man the role and probably won't hurt you and might not but also might not be like someone that goes up and contributes into the offense at least in on this team i don't see that kind of role for him if flick were to experiment and go to a back three or any type of formation utilizing wingbacks he would be well equipped with rom he's also got jonas hoffman who could fill that role who's included in the midfield and attacking group so there are options uh, my biggest issue, I would say, is still that Hummel's omission because I feel like he had a defined role in what he could bring to the table. And it was something that no one else on the roster can. And I know you could look at Matthias Ginter and say, well, yeah, McGinter has done that. But Ginter was not really a key player back in 2014. Uh, and, you know, let's be honest, he's been throughout his career pretty much up and down. He can have some great games and then he can have some games where he looks like he's ill-fitting being out there, especially for Germany. So um, Hummels, I think, is one of those guys who who could have done something with this team and and really helped. So to me, I was disappointed with that. I don't think it's a it's an absolute killer for the team, but I do think it was a lost opportunity. As for the midfield and attack, uh, wow, this group, it's a big group. There were a lot of surprises. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, you could go on and on talking about it, but let's talk about the top end players. Of course, when you talk about the top end here, you're talking about Thomas Muller, Jamal Musiala, Leroy Sané, and Serge Gnabry. To me, those are the four most prominent players that will be used in the, in the attack. How exactly Flick is going to make that work, I don't know, because he does not have a true striker there. Uh, I, I'm right now of the opinion that I think you might want to take a look at using that foursome, uh, having interchangeable roles there, much like Julian Nagelsmann was using in that four triple two, um, and seeing what you can make work there. The bonus of that, and I'm not saying to use the four triple two, I'm just saying you can have, uh, given how flexible and versatile those four players are, you can have an alignment set up where those guys are always swapping positions or moving in and out. It would be very confusing. The pace alone of Sané, Gnabry, and Musiala it would create problems. And let's, let's be honest, Muller is not known for his foot speed, but it's not like he's a slow player either. I mean, he is, I would say probably faster than a lot of center backs, especially ones that he'll see in the world cup. So I think that some kind of offensive philosophy that's going to allow those four players to move around and exploit weaknesses in the defense. I think he absolutely, those four players could absolutely be successful, even though there's not a true striker in the bunch. The really odd part is that when you even drop down to that fifth player, who would be the fifth player brought into the mix here? You'd have to look at Kai Havertz, who again is not a true striker, even though he has played that role at times for Chelsea. Uh, Havertz to me is still more of a 10. He, he to me is even more of a wing than a true striker. But again, with how versatile and good most of the players are in Germany's attack, when you look at Muller, Musiala, Gnabry and Sané, you can mix and match and make it work. They just all have to be on the same page. Is this enough time to make that happen? I, I don't know. 
But I do think you have five bona fide versatile options in that attack who are probably going to be competing for four starting roles. Now, of course, you you could get really creative when you look at the rest of this roster and you could say, all right, well, how do you slot in other players? Well, you have Kareem Adeyemi, who has not been good for Borussia Dortmund this season. And to me, it should not have been a shoe in to make this team. Um, he has played as a striker, as a wing. He he is versatile. So I will give him that. I don't think I don't think his performance this season is a true indication of his talent. But again, when you're being selected for a World Cup team, the assumption is that you've been in form. And certainly Adiemi, who has battled some injury issues, has not been in his best form. So I think at this point he is a deep reserve. You could also look at someone like his Dortmund teammate, Julian Brandt, who some people will say was a surprise selection. Brandt, I think, has really turned everything on in the past few months. It, I think if you polled people in the summer, I don't know if anyone would have thought Brandt was going to be selected for this team, but he's done well enough with Dortmund. He's shown well enough in his time uh, when he's been selected for the German national team that that he's got some ability. And again, he is a versatile player, someone that can play as an eight, as a 10, and even on the wing. You need players with versatility. Uh, and again, that's why I think Adeyemi was probably also uh, keen, uh, keenly looked at by Flick because you never know what you're going to need. You never know what kind of injuries you're going to be dealing with. So when you have versatile players like that, it gives you the optionality to make things work. Um, so I do think those are two players that are probably on the outside looking in in terms of that top attacking group. There's certainly players who, who could have a role if things go a certain way. Uh, you also have to look at the, the strikers that Flick has brought in. Nicholas Fulkrug, of course, from Werder Bremen. Fulkrug has been someone who, by sheer hard work and determination, has worked his way back into the national team scene. Uh, he has, uh, from injury, battled back from injury. He's battled back from slumps with his form. And he's put himself in a really good position. Can he be a player that steps in and fulfills that nine role and just play as a singular nine? I don't know at this point. It wouldn't shock me if Flick tests that out in one of the group stage games, especially if Germany is able to win the first two games. It wouldn't shock me to see him go uh, with one of his uh, striker options in the third game. And, and Fulkrug, to me, could be a player that he looks very closely at to see what his attack looks like. Uh, the other striker option that was brought in, and this was a little bit of a surprise to me, as Yusofa Makoko from Dortmund. Uh, yet another Dortmund player chosen. The 17-year-old has picked his play up of late. Again, if you asked me in the summer if Mokoko was going to be selected for this team, I would have said no, because he had been up and down in his time with Dortmund and his performances weren't always the best. Didn't always look like, at least when I saw him, that he was fully invested in playing the way that the rest of the team wanted to play at Dortmund, but I think he's been a lot better this season. And maybe it has to do with being out of the shadow of Erling, ha Erling Haaland. Maybe it has to be that he's just finally getting the opportunity to get on the field consistently. But he's shown enough, at least to flick, to get him on the roster. And again, this to me probably is one of those situations where Flick is giving this young kid an opportunity to take in the experience, to see what the big stage is like in hopes of getting something better down the line. So if Mukoko can come in, to this World Cup cycle, get a little bit of playing time, probably not a ton, show something, absorb it all, and come back in four years ready to be a, a player that's more integral to the group. 
I think that's the ideal situation for Flick, just like he's doing with Armel Belakotchap. So I think that that absolutely played a role into how he selected this team. Uh, as far as another attacker goes, and not necessarily a striker, though he has played this in the past, Mario Gutza, who I personally have been campaigning for because, again, he fills a role of veteran leadership, someone with experience. I do believe you need players like that. Gutza, I, I think a lot of people were surprised that he got this this selection, and 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 rightfully so. Gutza, his career arc from the time of that goal in 2014 has been one of hope to terrible pitfalls, battles with injuries and illnesses, bouts of struggling with his confidence, being in terrible club situations, not having the confidence of coaches. I mean, it's easy to say when you were the 2014 World Cup hero that you are a legend that will go down in history for what you did in extra time during that tournament. Uh, No matter what he has done the rest of his career, Gutsu is a legend for that moment. It's hard to think that he's in a spot at this stage, being his age, that, that we weren't sure he would even ever get back to this level. But through his own hard work and determination and through a circuitous route of teams, he has finally put himself in a position at Eintracht Frankfurt where he is able to be a steady contributor to show what he's been able to do, to show what he can still do on the pitch. And and yes, Goethe, I think in a lot of ways was maybe a sentimental pick for Flick. But I do think, again, having that kind of presence, someone that has been there, someone that has performed at this level and and really provided one of the great moments in World Cup history, I think it's so valuable. And, and I don't mean that he's going to be on the bench giving rah-rah speeches and, and anything like that, but having that experience, having that presence, being able to talk one-on-one with some of the younger players, being able to be pulled off the bench and knowing that despite the fact that he's a lot older now, he could still probably pull off a, a big showcase moment like he did back in 2014, that he has that capability. It's a, it's a great weapon for Flick to have. Whether he'll have to use it or not or whether he does use it or not remains to be seen. But I think whether it was a sentimental pick or not, that Goetze deserved it. And I think it's a really, really key addition to the squad, even if he doesn't play because you absolutely need players like him. Uh, Some of the other players that were included and a guy that is really just, when we talk about versatility, he pretty much can do it all. Jonas Hoffman from Borussia Mönchengladbach, he can play as a 10, as an 8. On either wing, he can play as a right back, although there's mixed reviews about what people think of him as a right back. I'm not as down on it as some others. But Hoffman gives versatility, just like we've talked about with players like Adiemi and Brandt, but Hoffman even more so because he can do so much. Um, just And he performs. And let's be honest, Hoffman has played some of his best football under Hansi Flick with the German national team. Uh, We've seen him be good for Mönchengladbach for sure. I think he's just a really good steady player who, who impacts the game positively when he's out there. But I think we've seen him be able to show a little more under Flick. And I think part of that is because when Flick gets a player under his wings, he is able to instill confidence by building relationships, by communicating. And I think players really do feel at ease with Flick. I think that's why we've seen Timo Werner produce like he has under Flick. I think it's why you've seen Hoffman play much better. 
I think it's, I'm honestly, you could point to Musiala and Sane and Canabri and how they play under Flick as opposed to maybe how they played under Yogi Love. You can see that there's an impact there. So Hoffman, I think, is absolutely a player who could be on the cusp of a starting 11 spot, just depending on what the individual strategies are for that match. I think Flick will absolutely consider using Hoffman in a number of positions, but I do think he'll probably best be used as a super sub who can come in and impact the match at at a number of different spots. In terms of true central midfielders, you know, while you can use Hoffman, you can use Brent. You could probably even use Gutsa if you had to. You can certainly use Musiala. You want to look at these natural central midfielders, and it really does come down to three, and that's Leon Goretzka, Yashua Kimmich, and Elkai Gundogan. Now, three sounds like a pretty small amount, especially because you don't know if if Flick will roll out a 4-3-3, which he's totally capable of um, of whipping up. But um, I think there's enough versatility with some of those other players that if something were to happen to Kimmich or Goretzka or Gundogan, that Flick would have enough coverage to to move forward. But when you look at those three, I think in my mind – uh, you, despite how good Gundogan has been under Flick at times, I think you absolutely have to roll with Kimmich and Goretzka as the starters because they have that bond and that partnership and that ability to work together to know who can go and who should stay back. And, you know, in my mind, Kimmich with Germany is absolutely a a point guard here who plays the six and distributes the ball from there, while Goretzka is more of that attacking threat box-to-box box, who can get into to the opposition's final third and, and wreak havoc. And Kimmich can kind of lie and wait and pick and choose his spots of when he wants to get in, while also having the capability to, to get back and make defensive plays as well. Um, to me, it's a little bit of a risk just having those, what I would call three natural central midfielders uh, who whose careers have been dedicated essentially to that. I know Kimmich obviously played some right back and even some center back way back in the day under Pep. But, um, you know, he's a central midfielder now. That's his job. Uh, that's what he's taking seriously. And honestly, if if Germany needed to use him as a right back, they'd be really, really thin in the central midfield. Um, but either way, I think you've got a lot of talent there between those three players. Gundogan, I think, is going to probably push Goretzka a little bit. I think that Flick, really likes Gundogan. Uh, I think he likes his experience. I think he likes how steady he is. To me, it's it's really tough to take off an athlete like Leon Goretzka because he can be such a tough matchup physically for a lot of teams. But Flick is going to pull the strings and choose his lineups based on individual matchups. Um, so nothing will shock me, but I do think Gundogan will be the player on the bench who will be brought in at times and probably used an almost like a rotation to come in at the 30 minute mark and, and give probably Goretzka a rest because I, I think what, and this is me, you know, putting me, putting my tinfoil hat on is that Hansi Flick wants Leon Goretzka for the best 60 minutes he can offer an all out physical presence, dive bombing into the box, getting up for headers, creating offense for himself and others for 60 minutes. I think that's what he wants. And then I think he wants to transition to a steadier Gundogan who will be more likely to sit a little deeper, play things a little bit more safe and not leave the back line so exposed. That's just me thinking out loud, but that's kind of what I foresee. So when we look at that roster overall, I think you can, you can definitely see, um, 
you know, given the injuries, why Flick lined things up like he did. Uh, you know, obviously you could argue some of those players, uh, in particular, you know, some of the people that have struggled early on. But I do think Flick tried to do his best to mesh the old with the new, to try and get younger players some experience while also having some veteran presence there. My biggest beef is still the Hummels thing. I would have included him, but I get it. I understand the rationale. I understand what Hansi Flick said in his press conference about why they omitted Hummels and why they went with Armel Bolakotchamp. So to me, that's an area where I think was a miss, but Hansi Flick obviously knows a hell of a lot more than I do. So I think it's it's safe to trust him with what he's doing. Um, but this team and how it will rank up with Spain, with France, with England, uh, with the United States. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it, you know, it'll be Brazil. It will be very interesting to see how they do. And, and I'm just having a little laugh about the U.S. MNT. I, I do hope they perform really, really well. It'd be awesome for this country to to see them do well. Uh, you could go do three shows about that roster and, and some of the decisions that were made, but um, I don't know how ready they are. I will like to say that it was really a shame to see that Chris Richards <sighs> got hit with another injury and, and could not be a part of that squad. But um, enough about the U.S. MNT. We'll get back. We'll talk about them some other time. To get back to Germany. I think this is a team that can compete and they're going to have the opportunity to do something special. But it's going to take a consistent special effort. There, there can't be any slumps. There can't be any off days. There can't be any of those collective funks, which we've seen Germany be susceptible to in recent years. Flick is the kind of coach that can prevent that, especially in a short-term tournament basis. But the heavy weight of this is going to be on these players, not just to win this, not just to have a good showing, but to shake off that 2018 leap show that we all had to watch because that was a disaster on every level. And it could have been mitigated. It could have been solved earlier. But the day FA stuck with Yogi Love, even though it was clear he was no longer having that magic touch that led to 2014. There was definitely something different about Yogi Love, his handle on the team, who he was selecting, the players that he had there, all of it. Germany needs to go out in this World Cup, erase that 2018 nightmare and start some new memories. And I don't know at this stage, can they be a team that wins it? I think they have the coaching to win it. I think they have the talent to win it. How that talent all works together, how cohesive they can be, how they can interact and rely on each other on the pitch, that's the only thing holding it back. Now, I know there's a lot of criticism on the defense by a lot of people right now. I think between Rudiger, Schlotterbeck, and and Sula, you have enough talent there. Can they work together? And it sounds weird to say because Sula and Schlotterbeck are teammates at Borussia Dortmund, but can they do this on, on the national team stage? Can they work together with Rudiger, who is really one of the more respected players by his teammates on the German team? Uh, but he has not always been the most consistent player. Uh, Sula ha- can be honestly one of the top two or three center backs in the world at times. And he can also show up and not care. We've seen this at Bayern Munich, or I shouldn't say he doesn't care. He obviously does, but there are times when his effort looks lackadaisical, I would say. 
Uh, but either way, I, I, I'm a big fan of what Sula can do and I want to see him succeed. And I think he'll be able to have that kind of focus to keep this defense gelled together. Schlotterbeck is again, he's a younger player. He takes a lot of chances. He's got also has a lot of talent. If he cannot make the silly mistakes, not take the unnecessary chances, the stability of Germany from the back will be great. But Schlotterbeck is a wild card for some of the decisions he makes. Sula can be a wild card because sometimes he looks as if he's not fully invested in, in a particular match. And and Rudiger, like I've said, is is can be great, can be inconsistent. So I believe there's enough stability there if those players can work together. I think there's enough talent, certainly in the midfield, to 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 be a major contender. And I think the attack, if utilized properly, if they are cohesive enough, can be the kind of attack that wins a World Cup. And I know that sounds pretty crazy because they don't have a true striker in the lineup, at least right now, in my mind. But I think there's enough talent there with the way that Musiala can score, with the way Muller can just bring his game to the pitch and affect so many different positions. I think Sané and Gnabry have both shown that they're just excellent right now. I mean, you couldn't ask for two players to be in more dangerous form than those two right now. And Musiala, if you want to throw him in there. I mean, that's, that is a three-headed monster that not many teams are going to be able to, to compete against. And if Muller is back and he's healthy and he's able to pull the strings on that attack with those three players, even if it's as a false nine, I, I think it could be really something tremendous. So, you know, Germany has its work cut out for it, but I, I do like the squad, even if I don't fully agree with everything about it. I, I trust in Flick, so it's the same way I felt when he was at Bayern. I didn't always agree with his decisions, but in the end, it was always really tough to find too much fault in what he was doing. So uh, that's the German squad. Those are my takes on it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that segment because I, I love talking German national team football. To me, uh, it's just as enjoyable as as talking about Bayern Munich. And I do want to hear what you guys think about the squad and and what some of your opinions are. Who do you think got admitted that should have been there? Who do you think is on the team that should not be on the team? So drop those in the comments. Hit me up on Twitter. You can DM me or tweet at me. You can hit me up in any of the comment sections in the site. But I need to hear your takes on this because – you know, frankly, I get sick of listening to myself and I, I like to have discussions. And I know a lot of these times I'm flying solo because I record at weird times, but I want to hear what you guys think about this. Uh, I guess the second thing that we'll talk about this week, and, and this will be brief, I don't want to go on too long with it, but Bayern Munich has been in outstanding form. Obviously they smacked Werder Bremen 6-1, and you can hear all about my thoughts on the post-game show, which I did. Um, you know, I encourage you to listen to that because that's basically how I felt about everything that broke down. But what I can take out of the past week, and, and I don't think the Hertha Berlin game was a great one for Bayern, but it was necessary for them to pull out and show some toughness and hold Hertha Berlin off. Um, I think this squad rounded into form nicely. I think uh, as they enter the weekend and they're going to play Schalke, that there are certainly some things that Julian Nagelsmann is going to want to see. I do think he, he might use this game to rest some key players as they head into the international break. Now with Germany sitting and Byron sitting atop the table, he's got a little bit of flexibility, some room to play with. I'm not saying he's going to tank the game, but if he can't beat Schalke with some of his subs, then he might need to start looking at the quality of those subs. 
So I, I think that, you know, we're going to see some short shifts for certain players. We're going to see uh, some subs get more time in terms of starting. Um, you know, we could see players like Ryan Gravenberg play a, a more significant role. Certainly Matisse Tell, um, and maybe even Josip Stanisic. There, there are a lot of possibilities there for Bayern to use players. Nusar Mizrahi, um, again, another one we could see a lot of him. Uh, this is this is definitely an opportunity for Nagelsmann to work those players in, give them a little more playing time, and rest up some of his veterans as they're trying to get healthy for the World Cup, and you know, hopefully, be able to stay healthy during that competition as well. Uh, but I will say that that what Nagelsmann has done in getting this team into the form that it's in is pretty tremendous. Again, I don't always agree with what Nagelsmann does. I like him as a coach. I really do. I like that he's innovative and he tries things and he's trying to do things his way, the best way he sees fit. Uh, I think that's really key. And I think that's where Byron and some other coaches in the past have kind of parted ways. Byron has an idea of how things should be run. Some coaches have a different idea. Nagelsmann is being given that flexibility to, to come and go as he pleases in terms of changing things, changing the formation, changing the personnel. And it's it's working right now. And, and and it did take some time to get to the point where this is working. There were some rocky moments, especially in September, where this team looked out of sync. They looked like they might not know how to play together. But it just took a little time to get going. If you want to have any reservation about what you've seen recently, it's maybe that there have been so many injuries that it's allowed some players to start to get or start to achieve a comfort level with some of their teammates. And how does that get affected once we start to see some prominent players come back? We've already seen Luca Hernandez start to work his way back, but at the same time, Alfonso Davies went out. Uh, we've started to see that, that Thomas Muller is on the road to recovery, but how does his presence affect what's been going on in the front line when it terms when, when it comes to how things are working out with Musiala and Mane and Sané and Gnabry? And of course, we know the hard, horrible story about Sadio Mane and how he's not going to be available for Bayern this weekend, and he will probably won't be available for Senegal either. I mean, there's actually a weird somehow this is happening another witch doctor story this time involving Sadio Mane. I've had enough witch doctors for my lifetime at this point. We saw the crazy Paul Pogba story with allegedly putting a curse on Kylian Mbappe or, or something of that nature. I'm, I'm trying to erase that post I wrote from my memory, but now we're seeing that maybe Senegal is working with some witch doctors to get Sadio Mane healthy, which I'm witch doctored out completely. They should just play that silly ass witch doctor song under this as a bed underneath me talking for this entire segment. But um, anyway, you know, how does that all get affected when these players come back? That'll be something Nagelsmann's going to have to manage something that he's going to have to work with. And I'm sure we'll all be sitting there uh, in anticipation to see how this all works out. Who's healthy after the world cup who's available after the World Cup and how this team looks. I have a feeling it might take them a little bit to get back in sync, to get back to this current level that they're playing at. But I do think that Bayern has the ability to to pull it back together and to make a serious run. Of course, you know, they have the Bundesliga and the DFB Pokal to worry about, but they also have PSG in the Champions League, which, you know, as you heard me say before, I wanted Liverpool for a myriad of reasons, but PSG was 
the most dangerous team that Bayern could have gotten in this round. And it has to do with Messi and Mbappe and Neymar. I mean, listen, I don't know that the rest of that PSG team is capable of, of keeping up with Bayern Munich in terms of talent, in terms of speed, in terms of uh, attacking prowess and, and defensive ability. But I do know that those three players can turn a game on an instant at any point. So it's very difficult to play in an environment where you always have to be worried about not one player, not two, but three that can kill you a million different ways. And I know Messi's older and I know Neymar's not quite the old Neymar. And I know Mbappe is petulant at times and distracted at times, but they're still three of the the best players on the planet. And if you want to look at worst possible matchups for anybody at this stage of the Champions League, PSG is one of them because they are dangerous. And as, as confident as I am in Bayern Munich, you could not have asked any team for a more dangerous matchup than PSG. No matter who drew PSG, it was going to be a dangerous matchup, just like Bayern would have been for anyone as well. So it should be a lot of fun. It should be something that is going to keep fans on the edge of their seat. And I know I certainly will be tuning into every second of that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be just a, a, a roller coaster ride of emotions. But that'll wrap it up for the show. And sorry to have broken format, but I did really want to cover that World Cup squad and dive into that a little bit because it's really important. I mean, when Bayern goes on break this weekend, you're going to see us still covering Bayern, but we will also be hitting a lot of the German national team. In fact, we'll be covering them like that is our primary team that we cover. So you, you'll be able to get that and all of a ton of World Cup coverage on our site, not to mention everything else that's going on with Bayern. I'm sure they'll still be transfer rumors and team news and all kinds of stuff breaking over the world cup, but we'll be on it and uh, we'll be happy to have you with us as always. You can get me at the barrel blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB works, get my guy, Tommy Adams at Tommy Adams 71. Give Tom a shot. Does a great job on our site. Also is the, the best damn tweet master that I've ever seen. Even if he uh, had that pretty infamous tweet, which I reposted this week in my blue checked out post. If you haven't seen that, Go to our site and look for that when uh, it's titled Blue Checked Out. But uh, it's got Tom's, maybe in my opinion, best overall post ever. So <laughs> enjoy that one. Uh, you can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy this uh, upcoming match against Schalke. It will be the last of Bayern that we see for a while. After that, we'll all be focused on Germany and seeing how they progress in this crazy-ass World Cup tournament in Qatar, which... I still can't believe it's at this time of year. I still can't believe it's in Qatar. And it's just going to be surreal to watch all of this play out at this time of year. So have a couple of beers on me this weekend, and we will see you next time.